Now, like most kids growing up, when I was little, I was scared of the dark. And not in the sense that I needed a, a nightlight when I slept or anything like that, but dark places just made me anxious and afraid. For example, when you turn off the last light in the basement of my childhood home, you would have to go up the stairs in the dark. And I would bolt up because I was scared of whatever I thought might be in the dark behind me. Now, I'm not sure when that fear of the dark generally affects us as kids, but it's clearly at an age that Judah hasn't reached yet. The first time Judah ever went into a closet and closed the door behind him, I went over as quick as I could and opened it because there was no light on, so I thought he'd be scared. Instead, I saw his little face smiling back at me. We'll be home and he'll race into a dark room and slam the door behind him, and then we can hear him giggling to himself in the room because he thinks it's so funny. Or we'll be in a room and I'll, I'll want him to leave, we're going to go somewhere else, and he doesn't want to go, so I'll turn the lights off, thinking that will prompt him to go where there is light. Instead, he'll just look at me and say, no, no, to leaving. He doesn't want to go. So whenever it is that kids generally enter that fear of the dark, Judah isn't there yet. But it makes sense that most people do have this innate fear of the dark because in many cases, it's somewhat a mystery to us. We're a little anxious about what the dark might hold for us. We don't know what's in store, so we seek out brighter places. As humans, we were clearly made to live in the light. So what a sad thing that the Bible describes the world as living in darkness. Specifically, that those who have not put their faith in Jesus as their Savior are living in the spiritual darkness of sin. Like being in a dark room unable to see, sinners are unable to see spiritual truth. They don't trip and fall over furniture, but they stumble over temptations and sin in this life. They don't hopelessly look for a light switch, but they aimlessly wander about on a broad path that leads to destruction. In fact, darkness describes their eternal future too, because one of the descriptions of hell in the Bible is that it is a place of darkness. Yet, many people go through life without a care in the world, oblivious to what awaits them. That's where we come in, believers. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, for those of us who have been put on that narrow path leading to eternal life, we cannot take our salvation for granted. We should be passionate about sharing that incredible message of the gospel with this world. This morning, as we turn together to John chapter 3, we're going to see some truths about those in the dark. In John chapter 3, I'd encourage you to turn there. As we see these truths, I pray that they will challenge and embolden each of us to reach someone with the gospel in 2021. John chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Let's just pause here for just a minute. We're going to come back to verse 3 in a second. Now if you were here last week, you might remember that at the end of chapter 
two, we found that a lot of people were excited and impressed with the miracles that Jesus was performing. But that Jesus recognized many of those people weren't sincerely looking for truth, they were just looking for a good show. Well, in stark contrast, we are now introduced to Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a part of that elite religious group that was known for their passion for the Scriptures. They were held in high esteem in the eyes of the people. And not only that, Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. Now, typically, we see these as the groups that opposed Jesus' ministry and plotted to kill him. And that's true. But here we find that wasn't true of all of them. See, unlike the many Pharisees who mocked, scoffed at, and rejected Jesus, we find that Nicodemus was a man looking for truth. He knew that Jesus was more than just a teacher. That was clear because Jesus was performing miracles. And as we're about to see, Jesus, though, Jesus wasn't interested in talking about the miracles. He was interested in talking about things that were far more important. He knew that Nicodemus was looking for the Messiah, the Savior who had come and set up his kingdom, and that he wanted to know if Jesus was that Messiah. Now let's pick up in verse 3. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we have seen, but you still, excuse me, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus knew what Nicodemus really wanted to talk about. He knew the heart of where Nicodemus was at. And so Jesus goes right into salvation truth. He starts telling him that entrance into the kingdom of God requires a new birth. Now, as one of the premier teachers in Israel, Nicodemus should have understood these truths from what he already knew of the Scriptures. But he was confused. And so I want us to understand something. Nicodemus Nicodemus had a nice resume of religious accomplishments, but Nicodemus was a poor lost sinner. And so the first thing that we see in his story is that those who are in spiritual darkness are often confused by the truth. 
We need to remember that. Those who are in spiritual darkness are often confused by the truth. You see, it's easy for us who have heard this story many times to start thinking to ourselves how silly it is that Nicodemus could be confused. We say, come on, Nicodemus. Clearly, Jesus isn't talking about entering your mother's womb again. And we think it's a silly thing that he would even say this. But again, a lot of us We've heard this before. Most of us have probably heard this passage in John chapter 3 many times. When Jesus talks about being born again, many of us in this room know exactly what Jesus means. We know that the Bible says that we are sinners separated from God. That we are dead in our sins. But that the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we are made a new creation. That we've been made new. We've been given a new life, and eternal life waits for us at the end of this life on earth. And we know these things because we've been taught these things. They've been explained to us, and we have accepted them. But that's not true for everyone. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, the person without the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. As Christians, the Spirit of God lives within us and guides us in spiritual truth. But unbelievers, those who are in the dark, they don't have the Holy Spirit, so they struggle. Does this mean that they're hopelessly lost? Well, on their own, yes. They need God to open their eyes. And those sincerely seeking truth will find the Lord opening their eyes more and more so that they can come to a place where they would see clearly that they might believe. And we have a great picture of that here with Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus didn't really understand. But but Nicodemus wanted the truth. And what a blessing for him. He had the Son of God right there to bring him along and reveal more and more so that he could understand. So let's remember, when unbelievers struggle to understand, we don't give up on them. Just like the Lord didn't give up on Nicodemus. Part of the reason Nicodemus struggled here is because he was still thinking in terms of the physical, not the spiritual. So Jesus, the master teacher, he gives him a physical example. Jesus explained that the new birth, it's... It's not something outward. It's not something seen like our first birth. It's kind of like you know the wind is there when it blows all around you outside, yet you can't see or know its source. And the same thing is true with the birth and the Spirit. When we put our faith in Jesus, we don't see the Holy Spirit breathe new life into us, but we certainly see the effects of it. We see the power of a changed life. Then Jesus revealed more truth to Nicodemus. He goes from a natural example to a spiritual example. He shares a story that Nicodemus would have already known. Now this story takes place in Numbers chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, the Israelites were following Moses in the wilderness. And they were continuing their regular pattern of complaining against God. Despite all of his power and provision and protection. So because of these things, their complaints, their lack of faith, the Lord punished the Israelites with venomous, poisonous snakes that came into the camp. The snakes were biting people. Many of the people were dying as a result. 
Now, we're not told what types of snakes these were, but here are some common symptoms of venomous snake bites. Severe pain, nausea, vomiting, rapid heartbeat, difficulty breathing, muscle twitching, and of course, death. And as the Israelites fell under this judgment for their sin, they cried out for deliverance. And the Lord told Moses to put a bronze snake up on a pole for the people to look at. And in that moment, the people of Israel, writhing in agony, had a choice. They could continue in their own hopeless efforts to ease the pain, or or they could look with faith in God at that bronze serpent, trusting that if they did, God would save them from death. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that in the same way, the Son of Man, that's the Messiah, the Savior, would be lifted up. That's what happened when Jesus was put on a cross. And everyone will have the choice to continue hopelessly in their sin or to look to Him in faith and be rescued from their sin and the consequences of it. And believers, those in the dark need these truths. And we need to pray that the Lord would open their eyes to see and understand these things as we share with them. That salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to see that in a very familiar verse here. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So here we come to that Beloved verse, John 3.16. John 3.16 has been called the Gospel in a nutshell. A volume and a verse. An ocean and a dewdrop. A continent and a cup. The greatest love letter ever written. In John 3.16, we find that like the shallow faith crowds of chapter 2, like the confused Nicodemus in chapter 3, we are all sinners hopelessly separated from God. But in God's immense, all-consuming love, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So that by faith in Him, we could be saved. His His death was for the sins of the entire world. And so believers, we shouldn't give up on anyone in this world. But in the beauty of these verses, I don't want us to lose sight of another truth that we find, and it's this. That those who are in spiritual darkness are headed for wrath. See, a lot of us, we love love sharing John 3.16 with people and the great hope of salvation that is in it. That's a good thing. But many of us were nervous about sharing the truth of verse 18. We're nervous about that. We say, well, you know, it's not, it's not my place to condemn people for their sin or to say that to them. But friends, we need to understand that their sin already condemns them. 
We aren't putting the shackles on people. We're trying to show them the painful truth that they are already in the bondage of sin and headed for an eternity separated from God in hell. But that by God's grace and love, Jesus has provided a way for them to be set free. This is going to offend some people. It might be offending people right now. It's going to confuse or be silly to others. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, those who continue seeking the truth, the Lord will bring them along into recognizing their lost state. They'll be convicted about sin. They'll recognize the punishment and many of them will eagerly receive the forgiveness Jesus offers. They won't despise the cross. They'll see the love of Jesus Christ in it. But for those who reject Him, who continue in the darkness of unbelief, will receive the just punishment for their sins, which is an eternity in hell. Those who do believe, those who put their trust in Jesus, who give Him their lives, they're going to rest in His salvation. But we need to remember that those who are in the dark, they're often confused by spiritual truth, and they're headed for wrath. Our responsibility, believers, is to share that truth with them. How they respond is between them and the Lord, but our responsibility is to share the truth with them. Luke verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Believers, those who are in the dark, they need the light. We need to remember that. They need the light. A man went to a restaurant with his friend and when they went inside, they sat down at the table and the man realized he couldn't make out any of the words on the menu because it was so dim in the restaurant. When he mentioned this, his friend assured him, he said, don't worry, your eyes will adjust. You just wait until you get used to it. And if you've ever wondered why so many people continue to reject Jesus, for many of them it's because They've gotten used to the dark. And they like it there. They've grown accustomed to it. To step into the light of salvation is to admit that you're a sinner in need of saving. Many people don't want that. They'd rather stay in the darkness. They'd rather stay in the familiarity of their sin. But then we find that there are those who seek the truth. They step into the light. They recognize that they're sinners. That it's better to admit that and to give everything over to Christ and to live forever separated from Him. But believers, it's true that those who are in the dark, they need the light, but the question is, how will the lost ever see the light unless someone comes and points them to it? Let me try and give an example of these things that we're looking at this morning. This is an example that's found in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we're told about this man who was a devout worshiper of God. 
He worshipped the one true God of Israel, although he himself was not an Israelite, came from a different country. In fact, so much did he worship the Lord that he would even travel and worship in Jerusalem. In fact, one day as he traveled back to his own country after being in Jerusalem, he was reading the words of Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy about the Messiah. But this devout man was a poor lost sinner. And he couldn't understand what it was that he was reading. The light was there, but the truth was blurry. It's hard to see. How would this sincere seeker of truth be brought into the light? Well, that's when we find that as he traveled, the Spirit of God brought a believer named Philip to talk to him. And Philip took that passage and explained to this man how Jesus had fulfilled it, how Jesus came and died on the cross, how he rose from the dead. And as Philip faithfully shared, the Spirit opened the eyes of that man to see clearly, and he chose to step into the light and put his faith in Jesus Christ. Now Nicodemus, Nicodemus had, it seems, a longer story. We're not told exactly what happened after he met with Jesus and John chapter 3, but it seems that he may have left this conversation in unbelief. That doesn't mean that the Lord was done working on his heart. Because later in the Gospel of John, we find Nicodemus again, and we'll see this as we continue our study. And some of his actions reveal that at some point Nicodemus did become a follower, a believer in Jesus. You see, some people step into the light Some people choose to remain in the darkness, but believers, our mission to all of them remains the same. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15 says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let me say something, believers. Let's not hide behind the word preach and try and confine evangelism to pastors only. To preach is to proclaim a message. And we have all been called as followers of Jesus to proclaim the message of the gospel. Because the world needs it. The world needs it. First Baptist Church, let's understand that this world is full of people living in the darkness and headed for wrath. But here's the truth for us this morning. Those living in the dark need us to point them to the light. Let's understand that. Those living in the dark need us to point them to the light. That light is Jesus Christ. The only one who can rescue their souls. Some will choose to remain in the darkness, others might hear that truth and like Nicodemus, walk away and ponder it for a time. In both those cases, we should continue to pray for those people. We should ask the Lord to continue working on their hearts. Ask Him to give us more opportunities to share with them. And then sometimes, sometimes like Philip, we'll be blessed to see someone step into the light. Put their faith in Jesus Christ. But believers, let's not take our salvation for granted. Let's not forsake our Lord's command that all of us would proclaim this message to others. Because the world needs this truth. And Jesus Jesus loves the whole world. That's why he came and died for it. So believers, let's not just walk in the light. 
Let's point other people to it. If you're joining us this morning here on campus, online, on the radio, if you're joining us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please understand that that is what your salvation will rest on, whether or not you put your faith in Him. Being right with God isn't about the good things that you do. Please understand that Nicodemus had a lot of good things going for him. Nicodemus grew up in church. Nicodemus read the Bible. He was a teacher of the Bible. He was well-connected. He was well-informed. He was influential. But without Jesus, he was headed to hell. Please understand that if Jesus is not your Savior, it's not about the things that you do. It's not about the religious things that you do, about going to church or how much you read the Bible or pray. That is not how you are made right with God. The Bible says that our sin deserves punishment. And the only just punishment is that when we stand before God, He will send us away from His presence forever into a place called hell. But because He loves us so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus died on the cross to take all the wrath, all the punishment that you and I deserve because we can't make up for sin. And after he died, he was buried, and three days later, powerfully rose from the dead. And now Jesus stands in heaven, waiting to offer you the forgiveness of all your sins, to offer you a right relationship with him, and to offer you eternal life. Please understand, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way to forgiveness. If you have never received that forgiveness, please understand, you can do that right now, wherever you are. Would you pray with me? If that's you this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you're finally ready to make that decision, then know that wherever you are, you can do that. You can go to Jesus right now in prayer. Admit to Him that you're a sinner. But that you know He died on the cross for you. That you believe He didn't stay in the grave, He rose from the dead. Give your life to Him. And friend, if you go to the Lord in faith, He'll save your soul. He'll forgive you forever. He'll welcome you into His family. And if you make that decision, I pray that you would let someone here know so we could rejoice with you. Father, thank You for sending Your Son to die for us. To rescue us from all our sin, our our hopeless efforts to get to You. Thank You for sending Him. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, help us to always be praising You for Your great love, for our Lord's sacrifice. But help us to also always be found sharing this message with others. Because there are people all around us that have never heard the truth, that have no idea how much You love them, that have no idea how lost they really are. So I pray that all of us here at First Baptist Church of Oxford, that we'd be emboldened to point people to the light. That we would point people to Jesus Christ. That we'd be faithful to do that. And Father, every time You give us that blessing that Philip had of seeing someone step into the light, I pray that we would be found praising You. Father, we thank You for all the ways You bless us. As always, we love You. But you proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us more and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.